1: Welcome in, everybody, to the College Football Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, Senior Editor here at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, National College Football Writer here at SportingNews.com. Bill, we are down to 27 weeks until week zero. Uh, one week after the Super Bowl, 27 weeks until week zero. That's how my calendar flows, but we're back to talk some more college football.
2: Mine is like T-plus- two days since the Super Bowl. I guess my <laughs> body clock's a little bit different and we have XFL week one. Um, so we'll watch some of that. I did look at a little bit of that today. So there's always football, but as you know, we specialize in college football here and there's plenty to talk about. Good to see you again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, first, some breaking news today here. it's uh, We're recording on Tuesday. Uh, And this morning, uh, Todd Monken, the Georgia offensive coordinator who's been with Kirby Smart for the last three years, was hired by the Baltimore Ravens. He's going back to the NFL. He has been offensive coordinator for the Chiefs and for the Browns. Uh, Previously, he was head coach at uh, Southern Miss. So he's done a little college, a little NFL. He's decided he's gone back to the NFL. He he interviewed earlier this offseason with the Bucks, Uh, and now he has taken the Ravens job. Uh, and so I looked it up his, the three years that, uh, Georgia was, uh, that he was the offensive quarterback for Georgia. They ranked number four in the nation this year in scoring number nine in the nation, and then number 38 in the nation 2020. So they improved every year. Uh, Stetson Bennett the quarterback, was quick to give Monkin a lot of credit for his development we all saw what he did last season uh, as he made a big jump, really, uh, from uh, 2021 to 2022. That offense really took off. Uh, what do you think about uh and leaving the
2: Bulldogs?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, but I hate taking pills. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. With my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality sourced ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Irish. That's athleticgreens.com slash Irish. Check it out.
2: Well, it was uh, talked about a lot and, you know, we all talk about, you know, I've been at Sporting News for... 15 years, I think 15 plus years. So I don't even know how to do a resume anymore. I figure <laughs> this is where I'm at. His resume had to be the championship game. Like, here's what I can do. And, and the creative play calling and the work with Stetson Bennett and the marrying college football schemes with NFL schemes and he'll get a shot. And, and you know, so Ravens, is that what we heard Baltimore? Um, that has an inch. So my brain works both ways. I'm thinking, okay, what does that mean for Lamar Jackson? You know, I'm not, and now on that end, does that mean the Ravens, you know, is monking a guy that Lamar Jackson likes? And does that mean they're going to sign him to whatever money now on the college side, it's Kirby's giving the keys back to a familiar face. Um, somebody that Georgia fans know well and going for that three P and breaking in a new quarterback. And that's one of the biggest storylines of this season for me is yes, George is going, we're all going to rank no, Georgia number one bill, but what, who's the quarterback? And I think that, that, as much as anything, is going to be what we watch with the, the Bulldogs this spring.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, so as you uh, referenced, they, uh, Kirby Smart announced that he is hiring Mike Bobo, uh, who was the offensive analyst uh, for uh, the Bulldogs this year. Uh, he spent seven years on uh, the Georgia staff as an offensive coordinator from 2007 to 2014. Worked with Matthew Stafford, Aaron Murray, and David Green. So three very accomplished Georgia quarterbacks. Went to Colorado State for five years as a head coach, uh, then was uh, let go. He joined Will Muschamp's final year at South Carolina, uh, was actually named interim coach for a couple of games after Will Muschamp was let go in the middle of that season. After that, uh, they, uh, Shane Beamer did not retain Bobo, and then he went to Brian Harson's staff at Auburn. That was that one-year experiment that did not work out. He was let go there. Uh, Kirby Smart brought him back as an offensive analyst. And now, boom, he's right back where he was in 2007. Uh, and Georgia is uh, I think they're happy to have him. That was there was there was no search. It was just, boom, let's move him over. Um, and then back to to Monken for a second. Just I spent maybe five, 10 minutes with him at uh, media days for the Peach Bowl. He was. They're not allowed to talk to the media during uh, the season at Georgia. The assistants are. So this is the first chance a lot of reporters, you know, had a chance to talk to him in a while. And he was very relaxed, very open. And you know, I don't, I don't want to pretend to be a Georgia insider or anything, but he gave Kirby a lot of credit uh, for getting the team where they are. He's like, I wish I had his energy. He's, you know, he's the 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 bus driver. This whole thing and all this stuff. In other words, to me because he was pretty open and frank during that session. He didn't give me the sense that he was like looking to get out or anything like that. So, I mean, the fact that he interviewed for the bucks and then he interviewed for the Ravens uh, you know, some might take it as boy, it's, it's tough to work for Kirby. So demanding this and that I didn't necessarily get that sense. Um, I just think, you know, maybe he just wants to go back to the NFL. He's had success there. He's had success in college.
2: Yeah, and you know obviously familiar with his work in the NFL uh, being an Ohio guy and I'm glad you got to have that conversation with him and and I remember you talking about it immediately to me afterward and like I said it goes into the TCU game where just brilliant and I know Kirby said afterward that yes that's in checked out of a couple of those plays but they just had that game schemed up top to bottom it was creative I, and it goes back to, you know, kind of watching the Super Bowl this weekend. There was a couple of plays by the Chiefs where, you know, guys like you and I that watch a ton of football, you're even like, wow, that was cool. And there was a lot of that moments with Georgia where, you know, the default setting is they can just pound you with that running game and get four to five yards with three different running backs. But I think it was Stetson Bennett's development the last two years within that offense where he was just a great decision maker, particularly this year, that really stood out.
1: Yeah, and Bennett said, I learned so much football from Todd Monken, and that was keys to one of his success. He was so poised, and he was such a smart quarterback by the time he wrapped up his Georgia career. All right, so speaking of the Super Bowl, speaking of the pros, speaking of the NFL, uh, you brought up an interesting uh, uh, question to me this morning. We were going over the podcast. Who has a better chance to repeat, the Chiefs or Georgia? I like that. I like that question. We will discuss it uh, first, though. A little Trochy trivia. Okay, are you ready? We will we will answer this at the end of the show. Sure. Uh, we're going to do a segment on uh, the Chiefs in Georgia. We're going to do a segment on uh, a project we're working hard. SportingNews dot com. Then we'll give the answer at the end of the show. Uh, speaking of repeats, so in the NFL and college football uh, in the Super Bowl era, there have been three times where the Super Bowl champ repeated and the college football champion repeated in the same year, like you're talking about with mm. the Chiefs in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Three times. We'll see if how you can do it. Can you name? So
2: three times there's been the Super Bowl winner went back-to-back. Back. And the college football
1: winner went back-to-back back the same football seasons, the same fall football seasons.
2: So – Whoa, uh, all right, you. It, it there, it's that, uh, that's a ridiculous question, that's hard. <laughs> so, but I think I can get close. You can get close, I,
1: I, 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 I'll help you along. You, you'll, okay. be able to, you'll be able to get there for that. So, um, yeah, so I looked up when you uh told me that who would have a better chance to repeat. I, I looked to uh, the Vegas odds. I think I, I'm trying to remember which one I used, I'm not sure, so I won't credit any of them, but I saw Chiefs plus 600. Uh, they are the favorites to repeat, and Georgia is plus two forty, and they are the favorites uh, the favorites to repeat. So Georgia, Vegas likes Georgia to repeat easier than the Chiefs. Neither of them are even money, obviously, uh, but at least Vegas is leaning towards Georgia.
2: So we've had with the Patriots are the last NFL team to repeat, right? So you have to go all the way back to that and that's kind of the it's the percentage game to me is like with Georgia how many teams can dethrone Georgia out of the 130 and if you look at the odds there's i think 12 teams that are 20 to 1 or less and that 9 10 11 12 is your Notre Dame Texas Michigan popular betting picks I really would say heading into the season there's probably five that can dethrone them and out of 130 so it's Ohio State, Alabama, uh, LSU, maybe, you know, that type of conversation. Then you start to stretch. Can that team beat Georgia? In the, in the NFL, there are four awesome, – and then in the NFL, when I think about this, Bill, I think quarterbacks. How many quarterbacks can beat Patrick Mahomes in the AFC? Joe Burrow was close. Joe Burrow's done that in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, we're going to pump up the Bills again, and he'll be very good. But can they beat them in the postseason? Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert. That's just his conference. So, to me, the easier answer is Georgia. If I had to go to a betting window and say you got to bet one or the other, I'd probably bet Georgia with the understanding you're betting against the Chiefs who have made the AFC championship five times, which is just ridiculous for Patrick Mahomes in that group. It is. and I felt heading into the Super Bowl,
1: the Eagles probably had the better team and the Chiefs had the better quarterback. Mm -hmm. Even though he was banged up a little bit so you didn't know how that was going to play out um but it played out that the better quarterback beat the better team Mm -hmm. right and you know that's that's huge in the nfl i mean it was amazing what he did especially in the second half um so the chiefs rightfully start the year start next year start the offseason as uh as the favorites um you know you look back at at georgia's season and who can dethrone them i mean ohio state was a 49 yard field goal away from dethroning them right Mm -hmm. um yep so they they, you know there was a little mix mixture of luck involved you know you and i have talked about georgia's schedule this year not overly taxing until you get to you know the the gauntlet of the sec championship college football playoff number one college football playoff number two they're you know their last three games you they, they'll earn it if they get there right. but they don't have a lot of stumbling blocks in the regular season
2: no i mean that we've we've talked about that 10 and 0 probably going into knoxville i mean if we're being pragmatic about it they'll probably be 10 and 0 even if they lose one they got an inside shot at the playoff it is the last year of a 14 playoff and i think their path even though alabama and potentially lsu and tennessee and The usual potholes in the SEC East are there. Their path just to get to the Final Four is easier than the Chiefs, who have to go through a 17-playoff AFC West schedule where you're playing Herbert twice. Super Bowl hangover, which gets talked about. You know, We don't know. We know, I guess, one advantage right now is we know what Georgia's roster is absent a few transfer portal moves, but we don't know the quarterback, which I just talked about, versus Kansas City. We don't know. You know, last year at this time, they still had Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. amazing that they won the Super Bowl trading their best offensive weapon, unless you think Kelsey's better than Tyreek Hill, which is fair. You get you, a, an offensive weapon of that caliber, they trade him, they still win the Super Bowl. It's incredible.
1: And, like, you look at their coaching, too. I mean, how many of those touchdowns were wide, wide, wide open inside the 5, 10 yard you know, just the, the receiver going, the inside cut, and then back outside, and that they out the Eagles inside the red zone big time. And, you know, you've seen the highlights and everything right. and how the, um, you know, they out they out Fox, the, the Eagles and then who was covering who. And next thing, you know, the guy's 10 yards open in the inside the red zone, that just doesn't happen. But, uh, the one quarterback of the AFC you haven't mentioned is Mac Jones, Bill. I'm a little disappointed about that.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, New England. I did look at. Um, I got my Patriots. I'm, I'm drinking out of the Patriots uh, Super Bowl cup right I, here. I have my Notre Dame cup. <laughs> my Packers one's in the. Well, I mean, they're in that boat of. I'm actually. I just wrote down Patriots for the Trochy trivia question, <laughs> and I think I'm right, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, I'm trying to match up which one it is, but well, that's a tease for later. But no, I mean. It really is. It's your vote in college it's most talent in pro it's you you just said it. Like going into the Super Bowl conventional wisdom was said, yeah, the Eagles are the better team. But up 10 at halftime, Patrick Mahomes comes in and and he only completed one pass in the second half. He is while hobbled, he was right. legit hobbled. Right. And I I know we're doing the ridiculous thing that we do after a super bowl is he the greatest ever no brady is that we're not ready for that conversation yet but i heard tony kornheiser last night when i was flipping through the channels he said something interesting he patrick mahomes has had peyton manning's career at 27 absent a few MV he has two super bowls he's been to the NFS, the championship game five times and absent a few mvp awards and passing records he's in that neighborhood like you could Compare resumes with Peyton Manning at 27 years old, which is unfathomable. So, yeah, it's a quarterback league. He was tremendous. It was a fun Super Bowl. It was a lot closer than the championship game in college football, too.
1: I will credit Bill Simmons with this stat. Um, Players with two league MVPs, two Super Bowl titles, two Super Bowl MVPs. Joe Montana, Mm -hmm. Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes.
2: That's a nice conversation to be in. And <laughs> and he's too. So we were growing up, and I'm not that much younger than you. So like it was Montana in the 80s. He was the it guy. And then I got caught probably half of his career that I can actually remember. Brady, dominant. I feel that way with my 12 year old son with Mahomes when he watches him. I'm like, you're watching the guy right now. You know, it, it was Brady. You got to see some of that late. Now you're seeing the guy that's going to dominate football for the next 10 years. I guess, will Georgia dominate college football the next 10 years? I don't know, because we have changes coming. We have the 12-team playoff. You still have Nick Saban. You wonder how NIL and the transfer portal will continue to evolve with these programs. Georgia will be in position to win national titles for the next 10 years, but how many they pull down, I don't know. I think the Chiefs will win more Super Bowls than Georgia will win national titles in the next five to seven years, just because but I think next year it just feels like Georgia is a better bet.
1: That's a good way to phrase it. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think I could get on board with that. Um, you know, Kirby's the the, the straw that, that stirs the drink and he's not going anywhere. Right. He, he's going to be there long after Mahomes potentially.
2: <laughs> right. So we will,
1: uh, we will see how that goes. So, uh, our final segment, I wanted to talk about a, a project, uh, I'm working on, we are working on here at sporting I'm not going to give away necessarily, uh, the whole project yet. Uh, we're going to, and probably have it come out in august but i am going to talk about a part of the uh project that you and i discussed we decided to and you know other places have done this and that kind of thing but um we, we divided up all of college football into tiers uh and we decided we would do four tiers of programs the heavyweights the middleweights the lightweights and the flyweights um now the uh, the definitions we kind of rough definitions we came up with with uh, our four categories was you know for a heavyweight the national title is on the table mm-hmm. that was basically the definition a national title is on the table for middleweights we're looking at we're not they're knocking on the door playoff birth is considered a highly successful season TCU comes to mind Michigan State a few years ago comes to mind. Uh, Our lightweights category, you're being in the mix for a conference title is probably the ceiling for the program. And then our flyweights, uh, a bowl game is considered a successful season. We looked at the 69 power fives. We put the, the four new big 12 teams in. So we're looking at the 69 power fives and the data we're using is over the last 25 years. This is the 25th anniversary, or there's been 25 seasons since the BCS championship game, where we had a clear, well defined championship game, two teams, one champion, and uh, except for, of course, (laughs) we still managed to have a split championship in the BCS era. But uh, so those 25 years, we divided them up. Uh, We're not going to, so I'm not going to go through all the heavyweights. Today, we're going to talk about the heavyweights, we're going to divide this up over the next few podcasts we'll talk about the heavyweights then next week we'll talk about the middleweights and then the last week we might combine like the light the lightweights and the flyweights um in the same group um but for today we're looking at the heavyweights uh clearly you know like i said i'm not going to go down the list here we we didn't we had several we didn't have a a debate on court you know alabama and your ohio state and uh, Michigan and you know Oklahoma and Clemson they're all, they're all heavyweights we, we named – one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. eight. it's about 17 18 heavyweights um, but I just want to get pick your brain on some of the ones that we debated uh, one of them that we debated of course Miami are they still a heavyweight now remember this is a 25 year uh slice you know over the last 25 years uh i looked at some statistics losing seasons national championships conference titles this that and the other thing um miami is one we thought about are they still a heavyweight <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yes but they're like did we did we decide that they were because to me it's all three Florida schools are tough because right now all three, there's not an excuse for a Florida school not to be a heavyweight out of the big three, Florida, Florida state and uh, um, Miami. Miami, of course. And then, but there's also the last one to claim a national title was UCF. So <laughs> that's a problem. If you're a Florida school, right. That you have that your best, arguably best program in the playoff era has probably been UCF and Miami's a mess, but I would look at them. In terms of resources, expectations, we we go to the U is back by default, but they haven't won an ACC championship, so it's like you're a you're a heavyweight, but if you were applying for your like annual dues, you're getting more questions each year. If this was a you know a process to get them, so I would say they're on the fringe of being a heavyweight because it's been a minute since they've won a national championship, and it's really been a minute since they can seriously entertain winning one.
1: Right. Our definition is a national title on the table.
2: Like right now. And that's and that's when I look at these programs as a fan base. When you wake up every day from now and whatever, what was your countdown? 27 weeks? 26 27 weeks. weeks. 20, well, 27 weeks. For the next 27 weeks, you can wake <laughs> up and say, we got a shot. We should expect to win the national championship this year, and we have the resources and the organizational strength to do it, and the players. Then I don't know if the answer is yes right now.
1: Well, yeah. Now we're not. Don't I don't want to limit ourselves to this year, right? You you just talked about earlier in the podcast. Every year, every year. There's about five teams that can win it next year, right? But yeah, within five years, within ten years, is Miami still have the cachet to win a national championship? Is a national championship? on the table, or at least to get in that group that can compete for it. Clearly, they're not going to do it next year, um, but uh, we did categorize them in the heavyweight discussion. A couple others that were interesting to me were uh, Penn State and Wisconsin. Okay? They have not reached – neither team has reached in that 25-year slice the BCS title game – or the college football playoff but they still made our heavyweight division penn state and wisconsin i looked at the 25 years penn state seven top 10 seasons one top five season but uh five losing seasons in that 25 years that's kind of a high number um and then wisconsin six top 10 season which is about the same as penn state one top five and uh, but only one losing season in 25 years. They've had 24 where they're either 500 or above. Um, that's the mark of you know obviously great consistency. Very few valleys. Their valleys. Their ceiling. Their sorry. Their floor is very high at Wisconsin, or it has been for 25 years. So we had we included Penn State and Wisconsin, two teams that have not made the playoffs, did not make a BCS title game. Uh, what's your defense of having them in the heavyweight division?
2: Wisconsin's like the lightest heavyweight to me, even though that's the the program that is built on heavyweight guys, like the <laughs> offensive line and the power running game for the last quarter century, uh, since Barry Alvarez got that program up and running, they're known for that. Um, and I think the, the, they are, I, I tell this to people, I, I was repeating this over and over and over again when Luke Fickle was hired, that that is the best program in the country that hasn't made the playoff that hasn't played for a national championship. And it's there. I mean, they've got the sixth best record among power five schools and everybody ahead of them in the playoff era and everybody ahead of them studs. They missed their best shot to win a national title in my lifetime. When they had Russell Wilson, they lost on two Hail Marys that season. Ones that, you know, one to Kirk cousins, one to Braxton Miller. You look at their running backs. It's ridiculous. I think they're a heavyweight. As you were kind of spelling this out, I was thinking in my head, which one's the better heavyweight? And I still think the answer is Penn State, despite going through the scandal that they went through, and I'm not going to rehash that. They've had some teams in the last 10, 25 years that you were like, they could win a national title. Like the team with Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley, they were close, you know. And then you go all the way back. I guess it's a little past the 25 year mark. You, you people still talk about their '94 team that was undefeated, didn't get to play for it. So I would say Penn State's probably, from a national consciousness standpoint, a a more sizable heavyweight. But Wisconsin, I mean, with Fickle, I think that he could take the next step with them and build on all that success. So I think they're both heavyweights, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, James Franklin has shown that uh, Penn State still has a lot of uh, weight on the recruiting trail, so to speak. Uh, It's done very well uh, in-state in Penn state. And then obviously, you know, their traditional areas of the country has reached a little bit nationally. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, they never do well in the recruiting rankings necessarily. They they do well on the field. Uh, can Luke Fickle change that? Maybe. Um, but as far as like you look at which program over the next 10 years, who's going to recruit better Penn state or Wisconsin, you probably pick Penn state.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, and I agree because of, you know, the, the higher visibility, they, I look at Wisconsin and Penn state and you, you know, we talk about this all the time. I think you and some others at sporting news probably get annoyed with me because I was coining the phrase, you know, wake me up when that team beats Ohio state, you know, I said it for like three years and well, Michigan finally did it. Michigan
1: finally did it. And Penn state has almost done it.
2: They're almost. And they, before Michigan could do it, you'd have to go all the way back to 2016 to find a team that isn't Ohio state or Michigan that's won a big 10 championship. And it was Penn state. And then you go back before that and there was that stretch in the early 2010s before urban Meyer got really going at Ohio state, where you could have made a strong argument. It wasn't an argument. It was the truth that the two best programs in the league for about two to three years were probably Wisconsin and Michigan state, but urban changed that. And ever since then it is, well, wake me up when the you know the Badgers haven't beat Ohio State since J.J. Watt was there. Like you got to start beating Ohio. That's the standard that I – and we were talking about that with SIPL last week at Nebraska. That's the standard I judge Big Ten programs on. When's the last time you beat the Buckeyes? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if James Franklin – it's kind of a race between Fickle and Franklin, and they both will get a shot this year. So the other
1: programs, just real quickly, who did not – who are on our list – as heavyweights, but have not won a national championship in that 1998 on that 25 year stretch that we've been talking about, uh, Oregon, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily think any of those three are in danger of not being heavyweights, but it's interesting to note all three have not climbed the mountain.
2: Well, and, and you look at the reasons why Oregon didn't really come onto the scene to late. They are the, the ultimate they they made their identity. And I for anybody like when you're sitting around bored, I watched that uh ESPN, the college football series they did a few years ago that mm-hmm. Ivan ran. And I forget who said it, but they they've just like Oregon made their identity off their uniforms. And they've built that into something special. And they haven't, but they've played for it twice. They played right. Ohio State, they were overmatched. They played for Auburn, they were overmatched. Notre Dame is an all-time heavyweight and because like I and, and I could rope Michigan into this conversation too. One of my least favorite phrases is when people say Notre Dame and Michigan are irrelevant. Well, then you don't watch TV because <laughs> they're relevant when they're bad. They're relevant when they're good. They're relevant when they're in the middle. They're relevant when they're in the play and who's been in the playoff the last few years, Michigan twice, Notre Dame multiple times. Can't tell you. They're overrated. That's what people say in August. Notre Dame's overrated. Michigan's overrated. Well, when they win, you don't hear anything about it, and people still watch them. They're always among the top-watched games. Two of the most-watched games next year, Bill, it's going to be High State at Notre Dame and Ohio State at Michigan. And anybody <laughs> that says those two programs are irrelevant, tell me you're not watching those games. I'm going to laugh in your face.
1: No doubt. No doubt about it. All right. Well, very good. Uh, so before we get out of here, Troche Trivia, let's revisit the question, see if you can nail it. So they are there's been three football seasons in the Super Bowl era, Where uh, the defending Super Bowl champion repeated and the defending college football champion repeated. It's happened three times, although I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify this a little bit. In each of the college situations. There was a split. The one of the the team that quote unquote repeated split the previous You're helping me then split a national championship the previous year. Then they won the national championship the following year. So it kind of counts as a repeat. Um, so you see what you got.
2: I've got one for sure. It's yeah. uh, New England and USC.
1: Yes. That's the O three O four Patriots won back-to-back Super Bowls. And then in 03, LSU and USC split. And USC won the national championship in 04. So you were going to count a, a, a repeat there for
2: USC. I sketched right, two out the lot repeats two so other Super Bowl. Can I repeats. have the decade both in the 70s. Okay, then I think I can do this. Oh, um, uh, the Steelers in Alabama.
1: Steelers 78-79 repeated. Alabama split right. in 78 with USC and then won it all in 79. So you in, are correct. Two for the- two.
2: I got the Super Bowl part of it. Then to think it's the third one's going to be because it's either Miami. Now I got to be creative here. It's either Miami or Pittsburgh again on the, on the NFL side. Yep. Yeah, I got that part right. So I'm trying to. Is it? I'm going to gamble and go for it and just lose if I'm. Is it Miami <laughs> and Nebraska? Incorrect. At Steelers in Nebraska? It's
1: Steelers 74 75. Steelers repeated. Terry yeah. Bradshaw's first two rings. Uh 1974 national championship was split between USC and Oklahoma. And then Oklahoma. And in 1975, Oklahoma yeah. won it outright. That's so. that
2: I was trying to pick between Oklahoma and Nebraska. And uh, Notre Dame, like I was like, which one is that? So two or three ain't bad. And I will say this because here's what I was sketching out because I didn't want to be wrong. (laughs) I wanted to make sure that Nebraska's repeat seasons were not during Dallas's repeat seasons. And they missed it by one year. So like, Yeah, so they missed that because Dallas won three and four and Nebraska won three and four, but they're staggered just a bit. So I knew that little piece of it.
1: We will see if the Chiefs. And Georgia can join this list uh, next fall. So, anyway, Bill, it's been fun. Yep. Good uh, off-season chatter. Uh, We will be back next week. Uh, We appreciate everybody subscribing on on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to the uh, CFB Nation All-America Podcast. We're also on the YouTube channel, CFB Nation. Uh, Just look for us there. You can subscribe there. And all our, our podcasts are now on video. I got a haircut this week, Bill. So it's Yeah, ready. you're
2: looking good. I got mine last week.
1: <laughs> we were ready. We were ready yeah. for the YouTube uh, broadcast for this podcast. But anyway, uh, thanks again, everybody. We will be back next week on CFP Nation All-America Podcast.